The scripture lesson today is from the Gospel according to Matthew. I'll be reading the fifth chapter, verse 1 through 12, the section otherwise known from the Sermon on the Mount as the Beatitudes. This from the Common English Bible. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up a mountain. He sat down, and his disciples came to him. He taught them, saying, Happy are people who are hopeless, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are people who grieve, because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble, because they will inherit the earth. Happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy, because they will receive mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts, because they will see God. Happy are people who make peace, because they will be called God's children. Happy are people whose lives are harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harass the prophets who came before you. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Today, I want you to know I am well aware that I am preaching to some of the most dedicated, busy, passionate, and committed Christian people in the world. I think the reason that this sermon, Enjoy This Life, was planned for last in this series was to give the preacher the chance to say something positive and encouraging after preaching some pretty heavy themes over these past nine weeks. Quite frankly, I think this sermon, Enjoy This Life, is every bit as important as some of the heavy ones I've preached over these last weeks on racism, on protecting the environment, on caring for the poor and fighting for the powerless. Why is learning to enjoy our lives so important? Well, I think because people like many of us who see social justice as a central part and expression of our faith tend to carry around lots of heavy burdens from this world, perhaps even more than other people. We have trained ourselves to lift up our eyes and to look across the landscape of the world, to look at the bigger picture, if you will, and to take notice of the injustices as we see them. Not only to take notice of them, but to talk about them, to work to solve them, to speak against them, and naturally all of these things take a toll on our ability from time to time to just plain sit down or flip the switch and let our hair down. Well, those of us who can. It's a figure of speech, people. Let's just be transparent for a moment. 
Sometimes it is hard to feel much like enjoying life with our own personal problems and situations. This is where you say, amen, and when can we do that? We can do that, right? But for people who value social justice and the transformation of this world, it can seem downright flippant and perhaps even uncaring to enjoy our lives too much when we look out and see major hurricanes seem to be increasing in number and ferocity. And here scientists suggest that it may be happening at least in part as a side effect of climate change. It's hard to feel up to enjoying life too much with massive forest fires going on in the West, with a never-ending barrage, it seems, of mass fatal shootings, or when we've had Nazis and white supremacists marching in the streets. It's hard to feel up to enjoying life too much with a stream over these past few years of revelations, uh, uh, even of major celebrities and people whose careers we had admired, who have sexually assaulted and abused countless women, or people in public office who have been recorded as saying that they just walk up to women and grab them by their genitals without asking for consent. It's hard to remember to take time to enjoy our lives as people who care deeply about human rights and who really believe in our heart of hearts that either all of us matter or none of us do. It's hard to enjoy life too much or to feel like doing it from time to time when those who care so deeply about human rights look up and see people being discriminated against. There are attempts to ban people of certain religions from our country, people from other countries from our country, to ban travels and other things, to block transgender people from serving in our military, and on and on and on. There are struggles. They're all around us. And I know all too well how exhausting these types of events are for amazing people like so many of you who carry burdens not only of your own but burdens for the world close to your heart. And you want to fix it. Enjoy this life. What? That sounds so shallow amidst all of this chaos. We know we're supposed to enjoy our life. But it just seems so difficult in the midst of all of this turbulence. These Beatitudes from Matthew's Gospel are Jesus' declaration from a proverbial mountaintop rising above the world of chaos in his time, and if we accept this for today as guidance for our lives in our own time, to remind us that enjoying our lives is not directly and should not be directly tied to having ideal circumstances in our lives or in this world for that matter. The writer wants us to think of Moses, by the way, and Mount Sinai as we hear these words, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and to prepare for this major declaration in the same way that the people of Israel anticipated Moses' announcement of the Ten Commandments when he came down from another mountain, you may recall. Jesus is shouting from the mountaintops so that we'll not miss his declarations here, this idea that happiness, this idea that blessedness Joy are not found in times of prosperity or only in manic moments of temporary glee or in the moments where we pretend to be strong when we're actually dying inside. Jesus wants to remind us if we're listening 
that true comfort is not found by stuffing our feelings, but by honestly admitting when we're heartbroken. He proclaims that the key to experiencing a more merciful future is by refusing to strike back the same way we are stricken and by choosing mercy instead. He declares that the way to really see God isn't by pretending we have all the answers, but by admitting we've come to the end of our own rope and that the sure-fired way to be identified as a child of God is not to wage war, but peace. Furthermore, you can be assured that the writer here, Matthew, we might call him, wants us to know that Jesus said that instead of being sad when people are mad, that you've been waging peace in God's name, and they hurl insults at you and call you all kinds of names, we can train ourselves to be happy, not because of it, but in spite of it, because we're following in his footsteps and the prophets before him. Really, Jesus? Really, Matthew? I mean, this does not sound entirely logical to those of us who are used to the way things really are here in the real world and the way things normally function. Come on, get real. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist, Jesus. What does it mean to enjoy this life? For centuries, this has been a key question in philosophical debates about the meaning of human life. These beatitudes are also the characterization of the blessed, the happy, the joy-filled life. And each of these teachings in the beatitudes begins with a Greek word, makarios. In the Common English Bible, we read from a moment ago that you may have noticed the word happy. It's that word. Happy are you. Happy. In many translations, the word makarios is translated blessed or blessed. It's a common word, makarios, in the Greek language of the New Testament. It's not really hard to understand, but it is difficult to translate it into English in a way that is true to our language and way of thinking about it. Blessed is by far the most common translation in English Bibles, but there's a problem. The word blessed sounds a little far-fetched to our modern ears. Now... I'll be the first to admit it. I'm snarky. I'm cynical. Some would say jaded at times. But there's nothing that gets under my skin quite like reading someone's post on social media that says something like this. Now we're almost to winter time, and these posts come up, and well, forgive me for having them marked in my memory. Hot dog. Got the closest parking spot at the grocery store and the last loaf of bread before the snowpocalypse sets in. Hashtag blessed. Blessed. Now, I promise I, I, I'm not aggravated by the, this type of post just because they got the bread and I didn't. Okay, I promise that's not it. It's because I hate the theological implications about using blessed this way. And what it says about God, if God really operates this way, does it mean that God was more committed to them getting the loaf of bread than God was to me or to you? Am I hesitant to claim divine favor myself? Yes, I wish others would be too. I guess it bothers me when people claim divine favor so flippantly. Hashtag blessed. If it's at the expense of another person's well-being or welfare, I cannot in good conscience attribute it 
to God's divine blessing for one person if it means another goes hungry. Now, New Testament professor, so there's my, there's my gripe with using the word blessed. Off my chest, I feel so much better. New Testament professor Margaret Eimer has translated this word here, makarios, as greatly honored. Now, I like this option. Greatly honored are you when dot, 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 fill in the blank. I like this option. So the meek and merciful are not revered by their world standards, but they are honored by God and by those who would align the way they see the world with God's vision for this world. Now, this translation I liked, but it has not gained great popularity in English translations of the Bible. But there is another option, and it's the one I went with, Makarios. It's the word happy. It's the word used in the Common English Bible and in many other modern translations. So let's refresh our memory. Happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the merciful. How can this be? Happy are the pure in heart. Show me one. Even this has cultural baggage for us today. The word happy, it can come across as artificial, happy-go-lucky, kind of flippant kind of emotion, but this is not what Jesus had in mind. Jesus was well acquainted with the suffering and conflict human beings experience. He, he experienced a great deal of hardship and suffering himself. Uh, there can be nothing artificial about the happiness that Jesus was describing. It's how we're taking it. Happiness that comes from aligning one's understanding of life with God's understanding of life. There can be nothing shallow about aligning one's happiness with a place that is deeper than the surface level circumstances or even current events. In fact, this kind of approach to happiness seems quite timely to me as I consider the current chaotic climate of the world in which we live. And quite frankly, I need to learn how to be happy more often, and maybe you do too. Maybe we should up our happiness game by changing the rules, more like the rules Jesus had in mind. We carry the emotional weight of so much around, our own problems, our own stresses, our own circumstances, and then add to that the weight of the world that we seem to bear on our shoulders looking around, and we forget to celebrate the small victories, let alone the large ones along the way. And, and instead of just reveling in the moment and celebrating happiness when it finds us, sometimes even on accident, we just trudge along. Reliving all of the bad stuff. Do you see this face? You know what this is called? This is my resting preacher's face. Don't let this happen to you. This is my stern look. This is how I feel when I hear the news in the morning. This is how I feel when I look out my window and I, and, I, and I see bad stuff happening. This is resting preacher's face. It's a condition developed over decades of carrying the heavy burdens of injustice and oppression without stopping to adequately celebrate the holes that have been punched in the darkness where light gets through along the way of life's journey. Don't let resting preacher's face happen to you. It's preventable. One of the reasons enjoying our lives seems so elusive at times, I think, is that we have to come to grips with the fact that just like the world we live in, we too are broken, imperfect people. 
The world will never be in perfect shape. And we will never be in perfect condition either. We have to encounter what author Anne Lamott calls the gift of failure. It might sound weird, but as she says, failure is a gift that, in that it enables you to accept the humility of looking foolish, of being broken and even flawed. We have to learn to accept the gift of failure not only for ourselves, but for our world. In a truly authentic sense, failure can enable us to embrace not only the vulnerability of another human being, but of ourselves and also our world. The fact is, our world doesn't have to be perfect before we can celebrate what good things do exist, even among the bad. Our lives don't have to be perfect before we can celebrate what good things already exist, even among the bad. And failing doesn't mean that we are hopelessly flawed. It means that we are trying. Failure means that we are human. Failure means that there are other humans in this world we live in, and therefore, because there are people, this place we call planet Earth will be imperfect too. So what if, what if today, together, we made a decision to start over? What if today we just said from this point forward, <clears throat> oh, we won't do it perfectly, <clears throat> but we're going to start celebrating not all the bottom line of how are we doing with results in this world to make this place a better place, not just the results of our labors, but the journey of life itself. What if today we take this opportunity, this gathering, this worship service, this moment, this reminder to use the strength of our community together to etch into our memories the absolute importance of celebrating the stuff we're already doing instead of just working tirelessly on what is yet to be accomplished. I think that's what Jesus was trying to say in these be attitudes. Happiness in this life, truly enjoying our lives, is not solely dependent on getting the results we want. It's about being happy about the journey we already have, the places we've already traveled, the imperfect things we've already done, the challenging yet incredible lives we get to lead. Get to lead. <coughs> Author John Ortberg wrote in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, a story that has had tremendous impact upon my own life and my own attempts to enjoy my life. I hope you find this story as meaningful as I have over the years. He wrote, Some time ago, I was giving a bath to our three children. I had a custom of just getting them all in the tub and bathing them together, more to save time than anything else. And I knew that eventually I would have to stop the group bathing, but for the time being, it seemed efficient. Johnny was still in the tub. Laura was out and safely in her pajamas, and I was trying to get Mallory dried off. Mallory was out of the water, but was doing what has come to be known in our family as the D-da-day dance. This consists of her running around and around in circles, singing over and over again, D-da-day, D-da-day. 
It's a relatively simple dance expressing great joy. And when she is too happy to hold it in any longer, when words are inadequate to give voice to her absolute euphoria, she just has to dance in order to release her joy. So she does what we call the D-da-day. And on this particular occasion, I'll confess, I was irritated. Mallory, hurry, I prodded. So she did. She began running circles even faster and faster and chanting Dida Day even more rapidly. No, Mallory, that's not what I meant. Stop with the Dida Day stuff and get over here so I can dry you off. Hurry up! And then she asked a profound question. Why, Dad? Why hurry? I had no answer. I had nowhere to go. I actually had nothing else to do, no meetings to attend, no sermons to write. I was just so used to hurrying, so preoccupied with my own little agenda, so trapped in this rut of moving from one task to another, that here was life, here was joy, here was an invitation to the dance right in front of me, and I was missing it. <laughs> Friends, while we must do certain things, we must not miss the opportunities to celebrate the good that is already present right under our noses. We must also not miss the invitations along the way to dance, to celebrate, to laugh, to truly enjoy this life. It is every bit as important as righting the wrongs in this world. And the truth is we cannot continue to fight the good fight unless we also learn to laugh, to dance, to celebrate, and to find those D-da-day moments along the way. Jesus calls us both to embrace God's justice and God's peace by opening up ourselves to accept life as it actually is, all the while working to make it everything it could be. This is the kingdom of God, the celebration of what is without the satisfaction of stopping and always working to make it what it could be. And of course, we must remember, as Jesus proclaimed in these Beatitudes, that our happiness is not tied to winning or losing as the world tries to convince us. You know, if we tie our happiness to current events or to the emotional roller coaster of our feelings, we will never find the joy we seek in life's journey. But if we seek to truly find joy in life, we must come alive to the truth that there is so much to be celebrated already. We must learn to find good even in challenging situations and conditions. We must discipline ourselves to find enjoyment just how we are, right where we are. I'll pull a Jesus for a moment. You've heard it said that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but I say unto you the grass is greener where we water it. The words of Leanne Womack's song, I Hope You Dance, seem to echo what Jesus was trying to teach us here and his disciples about life. Let these words remind you, as they do me, of what it means to enjoy this life. I hope you never fear those mountains in the distance. Never settle for the path of least resistance. Living might mean taking chances, but they're worth taking. Loving might be a mistake, but it's worth making. Don't let some hell-bent heart leave you bitter. When you come close to selling out, reconsider. Give the heavens above more than just a passing glance. And when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. Enjoy this life, my friends, for it is the only one we've been given.
So in the name of the one who inspires Didade dances for no other reason than just because, and who is still pulling for us to learn when to protest and when to party, we pray. Amen.